You're listening to Marist Connections, a podcast produced by the Marist Alumni Office, highlighting members of our Marist family, including alumni, students, faculty, staff, coaches, and many more. Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda Benton, Assistant Director of Alumni Relations at Marist and a graduate from the class of 2011. For the third season of Marist Connections, we're bringing you stories of alumni who are making an impact. Today, I'd like to welcome Marist alumni Kyle Mikish and Cameron Shue. In 2016, Kyle and Cameron set out on a 61-day, 3,400-mile bike ride from Plymouth, Massachusetts to Ventura, California to raise money for ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. They dedicated their journey to the memory of Michael Hamill, a longtime friend of both, who passed away after a long battle with the illness. Their trip raised over $3,000 towards ALS research. Kyle graduated from Marist in 2016 with a bachelor's in business administration and was a member of the crew team. He currently works as a category leadership associate for Damon in Austin, Texas. Cameron graduated in 2015 with a bachelor's in English language and writing and was a member of both MICTA and the crew team. He is currently a retina mobility testing associate for Aura Clinical in Boston, Massachusetts. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you guys for um, being here today. So before we jump straight into your amazing cross-country journey from a few years ago, um, can you give us an update on the pandemic in Boston and Austin? Are you guys both still working from home? Yeah, I, I am working from home. Um, I was very lucky uh, to just have my company moved entirely to work from home till mid-2021. Um, so. I've been uh, I've been doing well. I honestly like working from home a lot. Um, you know, it's nice to work in sweatpants every day, and uh, you know, get up for as many coffee breaks as you want. Um, so, a lot of my a lot of my job has to do with travel, though, and we're we're seeing a lot more of that start to start to plan. Um, I'm going to Sweden in a few days uh, for about a week, um, and I, I've got a couple more trips planned, which it, it's fun, but it's still work. So. Yeah, and I have been working from home as well. Uh, I have a cat and a dog that um, I got the dog during the pandemic and the cat before it, but it's been a lot of fun spending so much time with them. But I will say with working with home uh, from home, there's a lot of things you need to like, you need to worry about managing your time. And I think for me, I would like to get back into the office. Um, I just think I'm spending a lot of time in the house with the animals, um, but really happy to have a job. So that's the, that's the best part. Yeah, that's definitely important. Um, so back in 2016, you decided to bike across the country to raise money and awareness for ALS. How did you originally come up with this idea? Yeah, so um, Mike Hamill, like you had mentioned before, was a, a great friend, um, best friend of my dad. And he was diagnosed with ALS and quickly deteriorated. deteriorated. And um, I got to see that whole process. And, um, and he was a good friend of mine. So I just saw how terrible the disease was. Um, and it was coming to uh, my college career was coming to an end. And Cameron, who was a year ahead of me, joined me for my um, my graduation party where we had a bunch of the alumni a bunch of my friends come and have a you know one big last hurrah and i wanted to do something cool before i got a job and was locked down and you know had a cat and a dog 
So I came up with this bike across the country um, idea. And then I also wanted to do it for good cause and whatnot. Uh, ALS was the best cause that I could think of. So um, Cameron and I, I convinced him to do it with me um, <laughs> over I remember a exact moment. We were, we had a few beers and we, I think we came back from Mahoney's and we were hanging out by the fire and I convinced you to do it um, under the influence, but you looked me in the eye and you said you would do it. Um, yeah, I, I distinctly, I remember the exact moment because you, you had been talking about this all night and you were like, come on, someone do it with me. You want to do it? Cameron, come on. You hate your job. You want to do it with me right now. And I remember you just got me at the right moment and I looked you in the eye. I shook your hand. I said, yes, I will do this with you under two conditions. You, you remember the conditions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two. Cameron's all about conditions. He's, uh-huh. he's, a, he's a man of, of principle. Uh, <laughs> and his two conditions were we need to start in Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts, where the pilgrims landed because it's going to be a pilgrimage. And yep. we need to go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> those, were your, those were your two conditions gave us a midway goal though yeah and uh listen we did both of those things yeah but we spent the whole summer kind of just we agreed we would do it at the end of the summer and so when we agreed to uh when we we shook hands that was in may and we we left i think july 17 mm-hmm. but so we muddled around for a month kind of like trying to get our things together, not really sure if we were going to do it. And uh, the day that we did do it, it was just like, we were just laughing because we're like, how did, how did we get in, our, in this position? <laughs> the first thing we did was bike 10, mi- 10 miles the wrong way too, because we didn't know how to read our map yet. Uh, we worked out the kinks over, over time, but it definitely, it definitely was a little rocky of a start. So you knew you wanted to start in Plymouth. What, how else did you pick your route? What planning went into it in the two months that you had in between? We, so we had maps, right, Cameron? Yeah, we, I looked, there's actually this great, it's a little like community called Adventure Cycling. And they have a magazine, a website, email chain, all that stuff. And they make these maps. There's something called the Transamerica Trail, which like serious cyclists, not us, but like serious, like long distance cyclists will take this trail from coast to coast like there's like a race and people like will do it in like 20 days um so there's a pretty there's a set trail and there are like signs that we would see all throughout you know all throughout the country so we tried to kind of stick to this trail um but yeah it, it we didn't stick to it for i think half of it because a lot of the trails were like you know dirt roads or like like real roundabout ways we ended up on a lot of state highways and highways just to kind of cut our time down. Um, yeah, we ended up using Google Maps. Google Maps was pretty, pretty, pretty good to us throughout. But um, we, I think the the origin of our route came from Transamerica, which we of course had to adjust in order to get us to the Grand Canyon. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. what other preparation did you have? So how did you decide what to bring with you? Did you have to train, or did you just that out and hope for the best so we i would say i did a couple i maybe i didn't train very much i'm i might have done like three days of long biking for that were like 50 miles but i had i was just coming off of college so i was still in good condition from rowing cameron had a whole year 
we did, I don't think I didn't do that much conditioning, but pre- preparation, we kind of, you know, shared ideas about what we're going to use. Um, and so we actually had the perfect scenario where when we left from Plymouth Rock, we were able to bike through our south to Connecticut, where I'm from. And we were able to stop at my house and fix anything that was wrong or throw away anything we didn't need. So we had about three or four days of kind of like a trial run and we were able to fix some things. Like personally, I had this bike. It was like a, it was a road bike, but it didn't have a granny gear, which allowed me to bike uphill um, like really easily. And with the extra, with the added weight of my pack and everything, um, the panniers, it was going to be impossible for me to get up these hills without a granny gear. So that was something that we added onto my bike, um, another gear. And I think I threw, I, I gave away some things that I didn't, that I wasn't using in those three days. Yeah, I tried to do a lot of long training runs. Like Kyle mentioned, like I had a lot more time to let myself get out of bike across America shape. Because uh, I had a year since graduating uh, and uh, not being on the crew team, so I tried to do a bunch of long bike rides. But it really it came down to that like it was almost yeah it was like it's a trial run, um, which took three days, and we you know camped every night on the way down, and I I just realized my bike was just garbage. It was just a horrible bike, and I basically bought like I bought a new gears, new pedals, like you know all sorts of stuff. Kyle Kyle had a good family friend who um is very into cycling who was able to help us uh he was yeah. like no nope, don't out. take this definitely shout take out. this sorry shout out to paul garmerian for helping us yep. thanks again paul <laughs> <laughs> so kyle you mentioned the weight of the packs do you know how much in poundage equipment you guys were carrying were they like 40 pounds or yeah actually on our the website that we had um we laid out all of our gear and listed everything that we brought in the weight. I believe that the my panniers and everything were 50 pounds. Everything included um, like the sleeping bag and all the gear. And Cameron was close to that as well. Wow. Yeah, we, we laid out all our gear. Our, um, the blog, which is, I think it's ALS Coast to Coast at WordPress. Um, we had a whole section where we kind of like took the, that cool like overhead picture of all our gear like laid out and everything that we used. Um, only three pairs of underwear the whole time, three pairs of socks. How is that possible? Yeah, I mean, honestly, live and we uh, lived on not a lot and it was similar times and I had no problem with it. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I've never biked, but I've done some of the Appalachian Trail, and I think you find the same thing. You know, you think you need all this stuff, and you're like, I really only need two pairs of socks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They last longer than you think. <laughs> Most of the weight ended up being water. We would carry gallons of water spare, because at a certain point in the time, you know, at a certain point in time, it would be like a, a day between places where we could even fill up our water with safe drinking water, so... A lot of our a lot of our weight uh, ended up being that. Yeah, I can imagine. So you mentioned the Grand Canyon as an important stop for you guys. Um, what were some other landscapes or historical places that you saw, or most impressive? Was the Grand Canyon the best part, or were there other things that were surprisingly uh, more of a highlight? We had I, we had so many um, times where we had 
highs and lows and a lot of highs. And there were times where Cameron and I would just look at each other and just we were laughing and smiling because we were in this incredible place and we were just amazed and didn't even weren't even able to comprehend it. I personally, um, I really liked Colorado and um, the Grand Canyon was amazing as well, but we got to see a lot more of Colorado and the mountain ranges there. And uh, I remember getting into like between Colorado Springs and Denver, just biking a lot of Colorado, but just biking through there, like the Pikes Peak area. It was amazing. It was so beautiful biking through these areas. Uh, Ridgeway and Uray and uh, Red uh, Red Ridge and all those areas. Yeah, I think in terms of natural beauty, um, the Grand Canyon was, uh, it was unparalleled. Like we got there right at sunset too. We were like rushing to get there in time um, with enough time because it was, well, we didn't plan. It's all uphill for like, you know, 15, 20 miles getting to the canyon. So we were planning on getting there mid-afternoon but we got there like right at sunset just enough time to like see yeah. you know, it all, all its glory but Colorado too was beautiful we did we ended up biking we actually took like almost seven days extra off or we added seven days to the whole trip because we decided like listen this is beautiful this is, it's as good as it gets let's like go north for a little while let's go like through the Rockies um and do some of these cool routes so we did the million dollar highway which is just like it's yeah it, stunning but very dangerous like it's you know one of those highways that if you're just like two feet if you go two feet off the road you're tumbling down a hundred hundred foot cliff um so the the danger kind of added to the the excitement of that. that was probably i would have to say that cameron that was probably one of my favorite days and um we we, we had the ability to camp wherever we wanted in these mountains as well so health camping we call it I mean, there's so many stories to tell. There was, uh, we would stay with people through this app called Warm Showers, which I'm a member of still. And it's kind of like couch surfing, but for cyclists. So other cyclists offer up their homes and make them available and they'll host you. And that's kind of how we um, shower, like basically, yeah, showered and did our laundry. So we stayed with a Warm Showers host once a week at least. Um, so one of the warm showers hosts um, was this farmer who let us camp on his farm. And then he told us about this hot spring that was off the beaten path that you, nobody would really, nobody would know unless you're a local that we spent like a solid couple hours looking for. Cause he drew us this jankity map on <laughs> a piece of white paper and we were using Google Maps to compare it to his drawing, and we eventually found it. Um, it was right outside of Silverton, um, just before it coming from, I think it was coming from Montrose. Um, yeah, deep, deep in the mountains. And we would have missed it had if we weren't looking for it, because it, it's like down a straightaway, like a mountain, like downhill path. We had to like, you know, slam on our brakes, be like, oh, I think that's like, I think that's the sign, like the tree or whatever it was. Yeah. But like, just to go off of um, also like all the hosts, we stayed with so many amazing people and, uh, and, you know, we did have some bad times, but for the most part, everyone we met was a, a nice, good person. So we had a really positive experience um, in all the states that we visited. Um, but yeah. 
everywhere throughout the country, people just, you know, we would contact them ahead of time, a day or two in advance through this app. We thought that we would be in their area and wait for a response. And people, you know, left and right were just welcoming us into their homes, which, you know, you're told not to talk to strangers when you're a kid and, you, you know, you kind of have a guard up um, about you when when doing things like that. But we had no bad experiences with, uh, you know, with with going into people's houses with uh, people, you know, and it, for the most part, people just fed us and uh, gave us beds throughout the whole whole, yeah. whole trip and, um, you know, opened their arms for us. It was, it was really fantastic. It was something special. Well, we, stayed, we stayed in a lot of weird places too. I mean, um, the first we one- in a lot of weird places, yeah. We basically got an eye for self-camping. I mean, the first night, the first night um, we biked, I don't know, 70, 80 miles and we didn't have a place to, we didn't have a place in mind to camp. So we were scrambling to find a place. We ended up finding like um, a field that we walked in the back of the field, which had like a nature walk. And then that was a damp, not a good camping area. It was wet. And in the morning we, we stroll out with our bikes looking like homeless people. And there's like a gaggle of 20 soccer girls doing suicides back and forth. And we're just crawling out of the woods. Um, that was weird. And that was our first night. We were like, what are we doing, man? <laughs> yeah. But like we camped in some crazy places. We graveyards are like, if you want some good stealth camping areas, graveyards are great. Um, firehouses a lot of times the fire department will either let you or like they don't care if you camp like at their place um a lot of times we would end up especially like out west we would uh we'd walk an extra 20 minutes just to get a good view like up a hill um just you know a nice little a nice little hilly spot but there was that one uh kyle, kyle you slept right through it but there was a grizzly bear sniffing around our tent um i slept like with a can of mace i didn't sleep rather like there there are some sketchy areas for sure but uh yeah in the second night we camped we stayed at a campground um and there was a skunk and cameron was like kyle kyle there's i think there's a skunk outside we shouldn't even be talking we shouldn't even be talking yeah, it would ruin our trip if the skunk got us on the second day <laughs> like cameron cameron was always the concerned sleeper and i just would go pass out and we all stayed in uh, the Cumberland Gap where there was a raccoon eating our food and you spent the whole night throwing stuff at him and I just yeah. gave up and went to sleep. I never got him. He ate all of food. But, and then the most iconic was um, in, I think it was California. It was somewhere in the desert, which by the way, California is mostly desert where we were. Um, we slept under a, a, a freight railroad track that had like a little bridge because it was the only place with shade for my, like the, for the, as far as the eye can see. And every 20 minutes, the train would, an, a freight train would go over our heads. And uh, wake oh, us no. up. at that point we had been biking for like eight hours in the desert, uh, yeah. and like, like sand in the eyes. And uh, we, we just didn't care. Like that was, I think that was, that was, the hardest part of the trip is the desert it was like a week of just like you know trying to bike at night on the highway and then getting through in the morning uh that was tough if i had to do it again i would not do the desert are you saying you'd want to stay in hotels the whole time oh uh i did say that yeah that that was a common like the, the every time we were camping somewhere horrible we were like wow. 
like, why are we staying in a hotel right now? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? But you know what? If we had to do it again and we got to stay in hotels the entire time, we wouldn't have had the same experience. There is something to be said for kind of roughing it and, and like, I think you, you know, got the, the element of danger uh, and it, to not having a safe place to sleep really, you know, widened our perspective of, uh, of things. Yeah. So you mentioned obviously a lot of your high points, um, some troubles with trains and raccoons. Were there any low moments or things that completely didn't go as planned or things that completely threw you off? There was one one major low point, which we were in uh, Columbia, Missouri. My least favorite uh, city. <laughs> no, we, um, we decided to uh, go into the Columbia, which is where um, Mizzou is, the uh, University of Missouri. And we like, we met up with some people at a bar and like, they were like, oh, bring your bikes back, uh, you know, over here. We'll like put them, like we'll lock them up near our apartment complex. We can come back out to the bar. You guys seem really fun. We, we you know, we made some friends, so we, we trusted them. And when we got back to our bikes that night, some must have been students or, you know, someone who had access to the apartment building. Uh, they had gone through our packs and our bikes and they, uh, they stole a bunch of stuff. They stole like, you know, a cell phone, they stole like electronics that we had, like that were keeping, you know, GPS. Um, and they, to insult to injury, they took our cans of mace and they sprayed our water bottles with it. It's like, what, you know, our yeah, so popped. it was just like, just like, sure, I just, you know, that was like the one, that was the one time when I was like, oh, man, like, Sometimes people really, you know, they really, really stink. Like I, it was, it was pretty dark. But to be fair, you know, the friends that we had made in town helped us get back on our feet, and they, you know, drove us all around to the bike shops and stuff. It was a very isolated incident, but it was definitely a low point. Yeah, that really, really sucked. And like people, and those people vandalized our bikes and had no idea that those bikes were our home. Yeah. So it felt like more than just your typical bike being vandalized. It was literally like your live, your livelihood was just like taken from you. So uh, that was a big like kick. So we had to spend our like money on buying new tires and, you know, replacing some of the things that were stolen. And it kind of just sucked big time. We, I think yeah, that, we got back on our feet though. Yeah, it took us. So that night we actually, so the next day we, we stayed in a hotel like, we only stayed in, I think, three hotels the whole time, but that the next day we stayed in a hotel in Columbia, Missouri, because we were just like, we were so demotivated that we needed like another day to just recoup that loss. It's not like we were staying at a Marriott either. It was a red roof inn. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like 60 bucks for the night, uh, but it, man, that bed felt so nice. I remember. Yeah. Like, Whenever we stayed in hotels, we felt like kings. We would have a little party. Oh my god! And we would sleep, and get crazy. We'd sleep in too, because usually when you're when you're stealth camping, like in a graveyard, you need to get up early so that nobody comes bothering. <laughs> or or we would go to campgrounds and we would leave early so we didn't have to pay. <laughs> what time does your day usually start? Like it depended. Like seven. Yeah. So when, it, when it was really hot, we would always start early. Um, we would get up very early and try to try to bike before, and then we we would kind of siesta because it's 
like it was hot that summer um a lot of days were like 90 95 plus yeah. uh, especially and, down down south and dc was really humid and hot the virginia was tough um so we would always start real early and then um kind of sleep through the afternoon and then do more do more biking till uh we found our campground for the night or our graveyard or our <laughs> our warm showers or wherever we were sleeping yeah, yeah. The main goal of this when it started was obviously to raise money. It was a fundraiser for ALS. How did you get others involved? I mean, you were pretty successful with $3,000. Was that your goal? Were you more successful than expected? Um, who were your Who were your main contributors? Well, I don't think we had, Cameron, did we have a, um, a goal or were we just trying to get as much money as possible? I, I think we were just trying to get as much money as possible. I think we had like milestone goals. We set it up with um, GoFundMe, which we had like a milestone goal of 2000 and then the next one was four. So we were just short of the, of the last one. But um, Kyle's, Kyle's mother actually made us like business cards that linked to our website and, our, and the GoFundMe page. So everyone we met throughout the entire trip, we would pass these cards out to and we'd see donations from people that we met along the way who kind of like saw what we were doing and believed in it. And then we were we were very active on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram throughout the whole time and got a lot of exposure through that as well. Um, so just any anything that we did, it seemed like, you know, the more effort we put in, the more people would pay attention to it. Uh, yeah. We and we maintained a we maintained a blog that I think we wrote in probably like once a week. Um, and on the website and we were getting a lot of views on that website. Um, even people like reviewing our website from Europe and things like that. So um, I picked up a little traction online, but I think um, the, I would say the majority of the donations were from family and friends. Um, that had to be a lot. I know I had some uncles that um, gave like a couple hundred dollars, which were, was significant. Um, yeah. Is it still a cause that you guys are passionate about? Do you still do any work for ALS or any of their nonprofits or? No, I don't do anything with them. It's definitely still a cause that I'm most passionate about. And if I were to do another uh, fundraising event, I would like to do it for ALS again. Um, but I, when I, when we gave the money to ALS, all I did was contact, um, an event organizer for an ALS walk in my local town in Westport, Connecticut. And they were and told them that I had this money that I wanted to donate to ALS. And they were more than happy to accept and um, give me a introduction um, at the walk. What advice would you give other alumni or students who want to make an impact either with a one-time big trek like yours or just in general? If they have any ideas of things that they wanna do, I would suggest that whatever the idea is, um, you know, pursue it and put your best foot forward because there's going to be a lot of people that's, that say you can't do it or just are not going to support you. And it's not, I don't, I don't think a lot of times it comes out of uh, spite, but I think a lot of people um, just, they, they think you're joking or they're just not supportive of your idea because they're joking. Like they're like, oh, you can't do that. Ha ha ha. But that really does like that really does have an effect on you as a person who wants to make that change or, or do that thing. 
So I would just say, screw those people, even if they're your friends, like try to try to do it. And especially for Cameron and I, we had the unique opportunity to do this because we um, didn't, we weren't established in our careers and we, we had the freedom to do it at the time. Um, Cause that's one of the things now that's hardest is trying to carve out time while working to do things like this. That is, that is a big piece of advice I would give as well is if you're, especially if you're a college student and right now the job market is abysmal. I mean, my youngest brother is just graduated from Maris as well. He's still looking, you know, a lot of people I know would be still looking and I can't imagine it, it getting any, any easier anytime soon. Um, gra- right after graduating college, you have all this energy. You're not sure what to do yet. Do your crazy idea. Like the, people, we, we came up with this idea and not a single, love them, love them all, everyone, but not a single <laughs> person told us, yes, you should do this. Every single person in our lives said, no, well, that's not a great, like, you know, they were all coming out with all these, all these reasons that were correct why we shouldn't do yeah, this thing. Like it's dangerous. Like, like they weren't wrong. It was, it was totally reckless what we did, but we believed in it and we wanted to do it. And we both were, we were uh, just at the right level of not being tied down, but hungry for whatever's next. Um, yeah. to, to want to do something totally crazy, like doing a cross country bike trip. Yeah. And like a lot of, you know, one of my good friends, like after seeing what I did, he did the same thing. He did a um, a Maine to Florida bike ride with a couple of his friends. Like it, it kind of spreads. Like the, the you, you see people who are able to make it work, and you think, okay, I can do that. I've always wanted to do that. I like Kyle. I don't know. I'm speaking for myself, but so many people after we got done, or even during the trip, reached out to me saying, like, can you help me plan like mine? Like that, you know, that looks amazing. Like, just do it. Yeah. Yeah, just the hardest crazy part idea. is doing it. The hardest part is is committing to it, and you know, like the day that we started, and our parents both dropped us off, and then they drove away, and Cam and I were left with our bikes, and we were just looking at her at each other, like, okay, like we're doing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just gotta you gotta start it, and um, and try not to listen to those people. I mean, oh, yeah. even during the trip, too, our friends were sending us, like, Google Maps drives. It was like, hey, guys, you've been on the road for two weeks, but it would only take us 14 hours to drive to where you are. Are you sure you don't want to come back home? It's like, no, we're doing this. Like, stop. Yeah, in the in the farther away we got, um, the more inspired we were. And that could be compared to, like, if you not, – not only if you're trying to do some sort of athletic thing, like a bike trip, but you're trying to start an organization, I think – um, once you start it and the the more effort and energy you put into it and the more successful it gets, the more inspired you get to um, continue doing that thing. So I think it just builds on itself. Um, yeah. No, that's great advice. And you guys touched on this a bit, but was there anything else that you felt that you learned from the experience or did the, it open any doors for you that you didn't expect or... Absolutely. Um, I mean, this was 2016, so it was kind of the beginning of a bit of a tumultuous time in America. And it was 
invaluable getting so many perspectives from people from so many different backgrounds. It's so easy to think to get stuck in the us versus them mentality, I think, especially when you've lived your whole life in a certain place, in the South, in the East Coast, on the West Coast, et cetera. But the more people you meet, the more you realize deep down everyone's motivations are very similar. Uh, people in America, we're, we have totally different landscapes, totally different, you know, different, different architecture, different weather, different everything. But deep down, we're all, you know, we're all, I feel a lot of people are just good people. And, uh, you know, I would never have gotten the chance to, you know, stay in someone's hunting cabin in Tennessee or, you know, yeah. like, you know, stay in a bed and breakfast in Kentucky and, you know, like all, all these things, all these people who are so generous to us, like I wouldn't have met them otherwise. And there are people I'll always remember. Yeah. And like, I'm not sure that the experience opened. I don't know if it opened any doors for me, but it definitely gave me a new perspective and taught me a lot of lessons. I would say the biggest thing for me was um, not us being just on bikes and not having that much was really freeing. And um, the material things that you have in life, I think, drag you down. Um, and like the more things you add to your life, like a new car or like a new, like a really expensive home, and then you're you're in debt to the bank or whatever, you start to get like locked into this world that you, you know, you might not have wanted, or you're not as free. And I think having not having as many things in my life made me feel better as a person because I didn't have to worry or, and I wasn't, and I wasn't anchored down by anything. So definitely the material things did not, does not make me happy. And I don't think brings you happiness. Um, and I was so happy to have Cameron with me um, on the bike trip because we got to experience all those, um, you know, memories together and were able to bounce off we're able to chat about it and exchange ideas and things like that. I think if anyone is going to do something like this, that they should bring someone along so that they aren't the only ones to carry those memories um, by themselves as well. Yeah, definitely. We pushed ourselves. We pushed each other throughout the entire thing. I don't think I could have done it alone. And Kyle, you probably, but I don't think I could have. I don't think I, I could have I, done it alone either. <laughs> It, it was, uh, you know, even even during the planning stages, like if it wasn't for, you know, us bouncing ideas off each other and kind of pushing each other to get ready in time and to, you know, to, to uh, every step of the way, it's good to it's good to be good to be pushed now and then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's all the questions I have for today. Was there anything that you wanted to add or anything that I missed? I don't know, Cameron. We have a lot of a lot of stories but it was yeah. a lot of fun and i wish we could do it again um it took like like you said i think in the intro it took 61 days to get across the country um i don't know if we could carve out two months to do something <laughs> like that again but yeah. honestly if i was able to find that time i would love to do another bike trip because it's fast enough to get through the states and not like drag along like you're walking, but it's slow enough where you get to see everything. Um, so hopefully Cameron and I can do another one of these again. Yeah, we're in the early stages of planning our next one. We just can't decide on where. I want to do Europe. Kyle wants to do Asia. We'll, 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 we'll find a middle ground. All right. 
That's awesome. So Cameron, Kyle, thank you once again for taking time out of your schedule to join us. For those listening, we hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our series of alumni making an impact. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can keep in touch and know every time we post a new episode of Maris Connections. We will continue to bring you conversations with alumni as well as students, faculty, staff, coaches, and others essential to the Maris community. If you have suggestions for future podcast themes or guests, please email them to maristalumni at maris.edu. You can also check us out on Facebook or official Marist Alumni on Instagram. Have a great day, everyone.